Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to this very special edition of Atlanta Business Radio. It is time for my favorite series, Tuesdays with Corey, with our friend and yours, Mr. Corey Rick. How are you, sir? Stone, I'm doing great. How are you today? I am doing well, and I know you've got a guest. I know you want to get to that conversation, but can we talk a little bit about this thing you had this morning? Was it? Can you talk a little bit about this breakfast thing? Yes, we uh, had a Tuesdays with Corey breakfast. It was a business building breakfast, and uh, what we did is we invited the guests, of which there have been 40 since we started the show, to come at breakfast and do some networking and some relationship building. It sounds marvelous. I wasn't there. I want to be at the next one. Am I allowed? Or do I have to be a guest first? We'll have to put it to the board. (laughs) We'll have to take a vote on that. (laughs) All right. So who'd you bring with you, man? So today, Stone, we have Liz Parker, and she's the president and founder of LT Consultants. And what they do is they help companies get better. Liz, welcome. Thank you very much, Corey. And hi, Stone. (laughs) Hello there. So Liz uh, comes to us from Greenville, South Carolina, and she participated in the breakfast this morning, and now she's on the show here. She's got a great story about how she got into her business and how she helps companies. So tell us a little bit about how you got to LT Consultants and how what led you to start it. Well, I would love to share that with you. And I first have to give a plug for the breakfast, too. It was phenomenal. You did a fabulous job bringing oh, all the you. women together and fabulous speakers. It's great interaction. So thank you for that invitation. Yeah, thank you very much. So back to LT Consultants. Um, the way I got started is I was working with DHL Worldwide Express over in Hong Kong. I was their sales training manager. And while I was over there, they had asked me to move a couple different times and they were wanting me to go to Europe. And I wasn't quite ready to go to Europe because my uh, helper wasn't coming along and I had a young five-year-old son. So I ended up um, deciding I was coming back to the States. And at the very last minute, the owner of DHL um, in Hong Kong came to me and said, hey, I'm going to be doing uh, some strategic planning for nonprofit foundations. And I like your facilitation style and I want to have you work with me. So I was like, okay, what does that look like? This is the Saturday before I'm to fly out on Sunday to go back to the United States <laughs> to live. Nice of him to give you some notice. <laughs> so on the spot, I, I said, okay, I'm looking forward to this. This sounds great. And he goes, oh, but I don't want an employee. He said, you need to start your own business. And I'm looking at him like, what? I don't even know how to start my own business. So he put me in touch with one of his contacts through networking. And on Monday, I had my own business, LT Consultants. And this July, I'll be in business 20 years. Congratulations. I know you've helped a lot of folks with that. Uh, What was it like living in Hong Kong? How long were you over there? I was over there for seven years, and it was absolutely phenomenal. How so? Um, Just from the standpoint of the people, there were so many different types of people there. It isn't just the Asians. You've got the Europeans Mm -hmm. over there. I mean, everyone is, it was a hubbub of activity. So from that standpoint, the energy of the island is just incredible, and people are all about business, all about creating, all about innovation. So every every time you turned around, somebody was creating something new. How far a flight is that from Atlanta to, you know, where you are in Hong Kong? Just well, uh, I can tell you, I wasn't living in Atlanta at the time, but it's 16 hours direct from Chicago. 
And they do it nonstop in the summers. In the winters, they can't do it. you got to go through someplace. But it's 16 hours nonstop from Chicago. So it sounds like you enjoyed your time over there living abroad. And uh, what kind of adjustments did you have to make, you know, moving from the United States and living here and and then moving and living in a different country for so long? Well, one of the things that um, really you have to do is just be yourself. And yeah, what you I have found- no problem with that. <laughs> Well, what's funny is that I did try and pull myself back, believe it or not, when I was over in Asia. Did you succeed? Well, for me, I did, but I was still over the top for most Asians. As you can imagine, if you could imagine this, I went over wearing bright pinks, bright reds, you know, every color under the rainbow in suits. And by the time I came back, I was wearing black, gray, Everything was muted. Everything was toned down. So it is a matter of um, the biggest things were just adjusting to the culture. I knew the content, and that worked well. Um, But I learned people are people. It doesn't matter where you are. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you really enjoyed your time over there. But you haven't always lived in Atlanta. You haven't always lived in Hong Kong. Where else have you lived? Well, uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, Elkhorn, Iowa. God's country. (laughs) Yes. We do have that Iowa sharing knowledge that we We love the Iowa, except for the winters. Yeah, you can uh, have that. (laughs) Exactly. I don't don't need that. And that's why we're down here. Um, So it's, it's, uh, let's see, Greenville, South Carolina is where I am right now. And we have really enjoyed being in Greenville. It's a nice hop, skip, and a jump from uh, Atlanta. So I can pop over here whenever I need to. It's it's a great city. It's it seems to be very uh, growing. Uh, I I enjoy going there. There's a lot going on there. A lot of restaurants. A lot of uh, companies are putting you know offices there, headquarters there. Uh, I think it's an excellent city. It that was one of the reasons we ended up deciding to go there. It, I had a client down there and or over there, and we had decided that we'd just try it out. See what we thought of it. My husband and I were tired of the Iowa winters. We'd yeah. gone back to take care of some things with our parents, and we were we were pretty tired of it. So we went south. We'd lived down in West Palm Beach, Florida, before we went to Iowa. So it was a big culture shock, and we thought maybe Atlanta, Greenville, those were kind of the areas to land. And Greenville was a little bit smaller, yeah. um, and it allowed us to get to the other cities. And I was looking to find a client base um, to kind of renew the connections that I had and build my business for the strategic planning. Well, you're kind of within striking distance uh, when you're living in Greenville uh, to Charlotte and then also to Atlanta. And um, I think you uh, get all the big city uh, pleasures and if you, that you need in Greenville, but if you want more, you can always go to Charlotte or Atlanta. That and is exactly it. you're only a, a couple-hour car drive away, depending upon where you go. Just a short, audible book ride. <laughs> Out of all the places you've lived, where, did, where have you liked living the best? The warm countries. So I would have to say I really did enjoy Hong Kong. It was hot and humid and nasty sometimes, but I really enjoyed the weather. Um, I also have found that I'm enjoying Greenville during the winters, or the summers. The winters are a little too cool for me. Um, So I do like these warmer climates, I've decided. And um, I remember when we came back, when I came back from Hong Kong, I landed in Atlanta first. And it was just fabulous Mm. until Mm. we got snow. And then I went, oh, no, I'm not far enough south. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting, you know, how um, uh, as as I get older, I I really don't care for the cold. And, um, you know, having grown up in in southern Minnesota and living in the Midwest for the, you know, first 33 years of my existence, I 
I really wanted to go someplace where the weather was sort of more temperate. <laughs> and, you know, when you look at all the snow that they've gotten in Minnesota and the Midwest this last year and how cold it's been, uh, I, you know, that's just not something that I, I care to do anymore. And, and I, I have to just tell you that this is such a Midwestern conversation because we could spend an hour talking about the weather. We and could. I love that. Because but we're not going to. <laughs> okay. Well, I just want to say thank you. That feels, makes me feel like I'm at home. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so you've helped a lot of companies. You've got obviously great experience, a strategy. Uh, I know that in my company, you've helped me enormously by really helping me define roles for the various people in my organization. Tell us about how you help organizations with that, and why is it important? Well, what I find is um, I have used TTI assessments for years, and in fact, I started with them, um, I realized, about 15 years ago. So I was in business to kind of try and help people uncover where their real potential was, not just the individuals, but the organizations, that we leave so much talent on the table that we just don't even realize. And then if you can actually hire to the right talent, you can really capitalize on that. So what I realized is through these assessments, we have a job benchmarking process that we use to help organizations and individuals look at who is it I need to be a superior performer in my organization. Look at that role very specifically. And by doing that, we actually find out how we can match individuals to those jobs. And when you do that, the employees engaged, the company's happy, everybody's more productive, and it results in, in success for both the employee and the business. Well, I think for me, it was very useful. I know I spent a lot of time preparing the first time that we did this when I came to Greenville and really thinking about, okay, what are all the results that I need for this position? What are the priorities? What are the A, B, and C? And what are all the tasks that this position needs to complete uh, during the course of a day? And I realized that the people that I've hired in the past, I didn't take this uh, amount of consideration. I didn't take, uh, I don't want to say I didn't take it seriously, but I just didn't know that there was a systematic, deliberate way to spell out this is everything that needs to be done. Because like in, in my company, I know what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. I don't always write it down, but, you know, and Stone and I were talking about this yesterday at breakfast. Uh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do this. But somebody that's not been in your company wouldn't know that. And you have to spell it out for them so we can all be successful. And that was, uh, uh, it, was a, it was an arduous undertaking, but certainly worth it. And you were able to say, you were able to coach me through, okay, if these are all of the things that you need to do, what order do we have? And, and, and what percentage of time do yes. you, with these group of tasks do you need to be spending time on? And I, I'd never given it that much thought. And that was extremely helpful for me. And so did it show up in your hire when you actually brought the person on board? Do you it, see that they go to that document it, and they look to see what to do? It did because early on, you know, when you think about, okay, here's a position, no matter what it is, position X, you think about, okay, what needs to be done? And you think, okay, there's eight or 10 things that need to be done every day, but maybe there's different things that need to be done sort of intermittently, or maybe there's things that, you know, uh, once a month I have a high priority of being done. And, and there's just a lot more to it than jotting down a couple of bullets. Um, and so I wondered about, okay, let's think, let's think out, let's think the job through. And we did that. We yeah. spent a lot of time doing that. But then for you to give me the 
benchmarking test, asking the questions so we could determine, hey, what is what's required? And uh, it was um, it was very it was time consuming, but it was worthwhile because I was able to spell out, oh, these are the things that I think are important in addition to the job description and the benchmarking and the time allotments that we've given. And then from that, you are able to get the right person or you're sort of able to take further measures to make sure that you put yourself in a position to have the right hire. And ironically, after we completed our work shortly thereafter, I had started asking clients, well, hey, I I need this kind of help. I need this person. Uh, The job is this. Uh, You know, and I just want to make a connection with someone and see if they like the job. And I remember the person, the first person that I talked to was a perfect match. And it just made sense to me the way that you laid everything out. And uh, I'm answering the question for you. Long answer to a short question. I wanted you to answer the question. Thank you. (laughs) But it... It, it like anything, anything worthwhile isn't easy and it isn't always, you know, straightforward. And, you know, I trusted you because we've known each other for a number of years and I knew that I needed to help and I knew that I needed to do things differently. So that's what led me to, uh, you know, to ask for your help uh, on the positions that you've helped me really define in, in the company. Well, and you'll also find that you like structure and you've learned structure really is what needs to be in order. And in the business that you have with the long-term care planning, you have so much detail that goes on that you need to have that kind of person in place. And if you don't, it is an issue because you're not going to serve the clients that you need to serve. Well, it's, it's very good. You know, you know my business, you know, kind of what I'm trying to do. You sort of know how I'm going to react. And so that's extremely helpful And I think in, you know, we learned at the breakfast today that I've surrounded myself with these technicians uh, that are subject matter experts. Uh, I don't pretend to know everything. Uh, I've had a tremendous amount of support and help. And I think it makes sense to access people that this is their fastball. They do it every day. And it made sense for me to get your help um, on the positions that you've created. And and, and it made sense to me because, okay, we, we had the conversation you know, we did the benchmarking, you created the job description, and then we did the assessments and the testing, and it all makes sense to me. And so now that we have the jobs laid out, okay, so a person, you know, may be with me for a period of time, and then they may move on. Well, at least I know, here's what I have to have done. And here's the adjustments maybe that I'll make from the last person that did it. And, uh, you know, we've done that too. But it really, I really feel like I'm in a very good position to make sure that I hire the right person. And I have somebody like you that knows my business, knows me to sort of watch over me and make me, save me for myself, Mm. really. Well, you did all the steps that we needed to do. And by doing that, you were able to create a benchmark that stays in place as long as you don't change that role. And so people can come and go. You have customized interview questions. You have the process laid out so that it falls in line with what the EEOC requires, that you're totally legal and above board on how you bring in people, um, very open-minded. Uh, and so it really makes a difference in your business when you do that because it, the person comes with the behaviors, the motivators, and the competencies you need. And you know which things you can coach and you know which things you have to hire to. Well, I think the other thing that was helpful is I had wanted to create the first position you helped me with uh, where there's certainty and uncertainty. And through the assessment, you were able to determine this person's going to respond to those things. 
this person needed flexibility in terms of the hours. And, and honestly, I, don't, I didn't care when the person came in. I just care that the stuff got done. Mm. And it made a big difference to her that she had great flexibility to come and go. And, you know, she knew what needed to be done. And I don't see any reason to have somebody in at a certain time, beginning and end, uh, as long as the job gets done. Well, and they knew what the job was because you spent all the time yes. putting those tasks down. Yeah, and uh, you, you, know, you, you really did help me kind of spell that out. And I think it makes it easier. Uh, and I think in the past... Uh, people that I've hired, I didn't have all that clarified. So it created mm. uncertainty. It created a gray area. And I think if you have to ask yourself what's getting done when you walk out of the office, you already have your answer. And, and I think spelling it out really helped me figure out, all right, these are the five key result areas that we need to have done. And, you know, I think you gave me the idea of at the end of every day, you know, the, the people that I have working for me send me a summary of what got done, what didn't get done, what needs my attention. And it's just, it's just useful, but um, it is a process to figure all that out and kind of figure out, you know, what exactly needs to be done each day. Well, and as much as it sounds intensive and, and laborious to go through it, we it's can actually get it done yeah. in a fairly short period of time. I love to have people walk in with a blank slate because it allows them to just put everything that's in that brain down. And with a couple hours, I mean, if you think about it, we did that within a couple of hours. You had the assessment done. And by the time you left, you had the benchmark yeah. ready to go. And that was about a four or five hour period. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was very useful to see the process and then knowing, okay, you know, if we have to add somebody, this is the position, then it's just, okay, I, I want to have coffee with someone, see if there's a connection, and really tell them about, here's the job, here are all the things that need to be done, here's kind of how we've laid this out, and, um, you know, if somebody likes that, then we can pursue it, uh, maybe another discussion and perhaps taking the assessment, but I like the backup I like the fact that you know my business and you can tell me and coach me and say, ah, this person's not the right one, or this person is the right one, or, you know, here are the things you're going to have problems with with this person. And it it just makes a lot more sense than hiring people off the cuff. Yeah. And, and you know, I, let's be frank, anybody you meet the first couple of interviews, they're going to put their, be their best foot forward. It's like dating. And, you know, you're able to sort of do the trust but verify. Yeah, that's kind of how I see how you've helped me with that. Well, good. I'm glad I could help because that's the whole idea. It's to make sure that you are happy, but also people are not just like you said, if they're coming in thinking this is a job they want, but when they start to see what those skills yeah. are, it really turns them off. They are not going to be productive for you yeah. and they're not going to be happy. Yeah. So you want those engaged people. Yeah. And I think, you know, to the I think you've been able to really clarify uh, all those things. And, and for that, I'm, I'm most grateful because I think it, it took something that seemed like an enormous undertaking and you made it straightforward and, and fairly, um, uh, fairly pain-free. Good. It is, it is painful to assess and get asked questions for mm. a period of time about what needs to be done, but it, it's, it's a necessary step in the process. It is. And, and the other side of this is, is you, if you hire the wrong person because you didn't do that work, well, then that's my own fault if mm. I don't do that. And that's why they have to stay in the office next to you because they are waiting for their next order yeah. rather than having the freedom to know what they need to be doing. Yeah. And I think that, you know, somebody, uh, to me, uh, an employee that has freedom that is able to move about, come in and go, um, 
there is structure because there's stuff that has to be done every day. But you know, the one of the ladies that helps me, she gets stuff done sometimes at three in the morning. Well, she has yep. two small kids. And uh, so, you know, like I said, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, I'm not up at three in the morning, so I'm not looking at it. But uh, I think it's helpful for her that she has the flexibility that she does have. Yeah. And um, I think the process and the assessment and all the things that you set up really uh, was very, very uh, crucial in me getting to that point. Well, I'm glad to hear that. So I know we're working on a second one right now, and I think that you'll find it's an even quicker process the second time because you know it, what to expect. It has been. Um, and, you know, we as, as time has gone on, we sort of morphed. We've created this new position. Um, and, and it's funny. I mean, you know, when, when we created the last position, I kept thinking, I wonder how I'm going to find somebody. And it wasn't a couple weeks later I, I met somebody and then I met somebody, a, a couple of others. And I think putting the word out to clients and friends and contacts, they – uh, if they have a relationship with you, they may feel some level of vesting and they may feel, you know, in a need to connect that person to you. Yeah. And you know what to ask for. Well, That's and I the know, difference. and I know what I need. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if I have a question, I'm just going to call you. So you're not getting away. I just have, I have your phone number, text, email. So, well, I am delighted. <laughs> yeah. So that's been, and, and that's just that part is just is just a component of your business, right? There it are is. other things that you do at LT Consultants. Yes. Like I know, uh, I met you through Vistage, yes. and um, Vistage is executive coaching for business owners, executives. It's a tremendous organization, uh, and you are now a Vistage chair. Yes, I am. And how do you like that? I absolutely love it. I was a member, as you were. I mean, we're at seven-year memberships, I think, when yes. we were when we first got together there. So we're both seven-year members. But what I did was um, in Greenville, and I was coming into Atlanta to the, the Vistage meeting here because it is that worth it to drive for yeah. a half-day meeting because we get so much quality out of it. Um, we had one of the chairs retire in Greenville, so I took over his group. And I've had the group for a year, and we've got uh, nine people right now mm -hmm. where our CEOs that are anywhere between $2 million and $40 million in revenue. Mm -hmm. um, and we are always looking. It's a non-competing industries as far as the group goes. So these CEOs are, are building off of each other. And the gift that I bring to them and the gift they give to me is just not a, always learning from each other. But my background in strategic planning yeah. has made a huge difference in looking at the seven stages of growth that entrepreneurs go through. So I'm able to provide value from that standpoint as well as we look at how these businesses grow and what they need to do to take that next business challenge and push themselves and each other to, to do that. Well, I, while I miss you in our group, I think that um, you're meant to do that. I think you're in a great position. And I think I look forward to hearing, you know, all the great things that you're going to do there. I, I think it's, uh, uh, it's, the, the experience is useful because you have a group of people of 10 to 15 people roughly in each group, and they can function on many levels as a, uh, as a de facto board. Yes. Because you can bring in things that you're struggling with or that you are not sure you have an answer on. And, you know, chances are there's somebody in your group that has been through it or, you know, could give you counsel on on how to do it or, you know, in some cases, how not to do it. Exactly. And we find that, especially when we have family businesses in, people who have had to go through Families something. Families fight? <laughs> this just in. It is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> 
So when you have those family businesses, if somebody's been through it already with yeah. a parent or a grandparent or a brother or sister, being able to kind of give them the guidance to dodge that in the future or know what documentation to have, know what advisor to go to, whatever that happens to be. I mean, this this is how it all links back to what you do. You connect people, and that's what these CEOs do, too. They connect each other. It is all about who do you know and how can we help each other in a very giving manner, not in a greedy manner. Yeah. I think it's important to be able to have, uh, you know, with my experience in Vistage, I think it's been important to go to a place where you can get an unvarnished opinion. Mm. You may not like what's said, but it's unvarnished and usually without any sort of bias or agenda. And I think that's useful because if I think if you have a company, many times people that work for you are going to tell you what you want to hear, and that may not be what you need to hear. That's exactly what it is. CEOs are on their own. Executives are on their own. They do not have people give them direct feedback. And so they might be operating thinking they're doing super well because people are yes people around them and afraid to irritate them when, in fact, they are doing something that is detrimental to the business and somebody needs to share that. What do you like best about what you're doing? It is getting to know the people and having the connection with the people. I find it extremely fulfilling to be able to, and it may be because after you're over 50, you start to go, hey, I actually know something. You're over 50? I am over 50, and that was really nice of you to do that. can't be that far over 50. (laughs) We'll let it just stay right there. So hair color will do wonders for a person. So, Maybe I should consider that with all the gray I have. <laughs> it is definitely one of those where you just feel like you can share something yeah. that you have gone through, and it really becomes much more about not just, well, businesses are people. And so when you look at the culture in this and you want to see how people want their legacy to go on, it's helping them become self-aware so that as they become self-aware, their businesses become self-aware, and their businesses start to reflect who they are. Yeah. And a lot of times there's a big disconnect with that. So I look for alignment in really who they are, what they were meant to do on this earth, and are they doing it, and how can we help them do it better? When I think of your company and, and, and how you've served our organization, I think about you know words of like resource, clarity, you know, uh, systematic come to mind, and I think that a lot of times, uh, do you find that business owners? Uh, fight you on wanting to get more clear and wanting to be sort of more deliberate with their planning and their actions? Yes. Why do you suppose that is? Well, entrepreneurs are successful because they're risk takers, they go out of the box, and they do things their own way. Um, that works for a while, but that's also where this seven stages of growth comes in, that at a certain point, in order to be scalable, you have to start to put systems in place so that you can do what you're doing, hiring people to come in, do the things that you don't have time to do, but you can still be the visionary. You can still be that person saying, hey, I am the one that's thinking this business up, knowing where it's going. I'm the one connecting the people. Um, I need somebody else to do more of the detailed work or do some of the other processes that need to be in place to make this business run. We know that they fail after three to five years if they don't have that structure in place. A great idea will not get off the ground if you don't put some structure around it. I think that, um, you know, as time goes on, relationships are really important. They've always been important to me, but perhaps now maybe even more so. And I think about the leverage that I have with with a business relationship with you in, in saying, all right, I'm thinking about this, mm. this job or that job. And 
you already, I have the advantage because you already have all the local knowledge of kind of what I've done and, and, you know, kind of how I built things. And so I'm able to, you're able to look at and say, uh, I think this might be the direction you want to go. Cause I know we talked about a number of things and going in another direction and it wasn't the right direction, which is why it took so long not to do it. Mm. And, um, but you knew that in your heart. I think that, I think that <laughs> the leverage that you have was specialized knowledge, you know, um, now, I wouldn't think of starting a radio station. Why would I do that? I got these guys here at Business Radio X. They already know it. They do it every day. They touch it every day. And it just makes sense to me that, you know, I would come here, show up, do my show. And um, and they're, they've been incredibly supportive. Uh, but it's interesting to me to, you know, watch people kind of try and do things themselves when mm. it's not their fastball or they don't want to do it or Worse, they're not qualified to do it. Well, and it does seem that when you start out, you think that you can do it all yourself. And then you start to realize you can't. And you don't have all the talents. I remember being in a Vistage group um, four or five years ago and having them go, are you kidding? You're not an accountant. What the heck are you doing trying to do your own books? (laughs) Right? That's not a forte. Go work with the people. Do the facilitation. Do all the things that you do well. Hire that out. And I think what ends up happening is we're afraid. A lot of times that fear lives in us that says, hey, I can't do that because I'm not making enough money. And sometimes what you've got to do is take that leap of faith. So being where I am, I try to be that outside, give them that outside perspective and say, hey, if you did this, what's the worst thing that could happen? And take them down that path and say, and if you were not having to do the books, which is taking you three times longer than it should, um, what would it look like? What could you do with your time? Exactly. Which by the way, I have had that experience too. So it is. It's a matter of just kind of being that voice in somebody's head where they they need that quiet space to just say, hey, I need to think about my business for a little bit and I just need to hear myself talk. Yeah. Well, I think the the subject matter experts or, you know, call them technicians. uh, And and I think the more granular you get with your business, I think about if I have all the positions defined in my company. Mm it it makes things more straightforward. Mm-hmm. It might even make it more saleable. Yes. Um, I think that to the extent possible, uh, you know, I mentioned, you know, Stone and his organization here with their radio, sh- radio station, you, um, your CPA, your bookkeeper, you know, the person that helps you with your web or the person that helps with branding or printing, mm-hmm. it, maybe I could do all those, but there's no way I would do it as well as the people that I would outsource it to. And by the time, if you value your time, by the time you do it yourself, it probably wouldn't be as good as the person that has the subject matter expertise. And it would probably take you far longer to do it, not as well. And it just doesn't make sense to me. And do you remember the days when you thought you could do it all? Yeah. (laughs) And it is the self-awareness that you end up having about saying, wow, this is really not my gift. My gift is doing something else. And that really makes a huge difference. Well, don't you think that letting go and control are significant issues for, you know, business owners and entrepreneurs? And it, it, it 
just the idea of control. I mean, uh, isn't the reason that a lot of people go out on their own for control, control their destiny, and so on and so forth? And so, I know that's things, why I did my business. <laughs> but but did you find it hard to let go of some of yeah. these things? Yeah. How did you do it? Well, I still haven't let go of some of them. Um, but I oh, have been smart the enough. The truth is coming out. <laughs> I have been smart enough to say, okay, there are some. If I decide I'm not going to do that, I also know I can't be as productive and I can't feel as fulfilled. Yeah. I do stuff that just doesn't feel right. Um, so it, and physically, right. It can relate to your body. It can relate yeah. to illness. When you are going against something that is not right, it shows up somewhere in your life yeah. and, uh, messages will come through loud and clear if you just pay attention to them. So I've just learned you've got to do it. And, um, the more self-awareness, the more understanding you can about have about who you are, the more that your people will start to follow that as well. People just build off of that if you model that behavior. Well, I think of the work that you've done for me, and I, I realize that there's a couple of checks that I, that I a couple of boxes Financial? that I have checked oh. <laughs> um, in terms of uh, having it defined, having the clarity, because if I need to find another person or we're replicating, it would be far more straightforward than it was the first time. Yeah. So, um, and I think that there are many times uh, each month where I'll go to the team that I have of people that help me and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And they'll say, you shouldn't do this, or this is how we do this task. Yes. And, and, and I think I'm a lot happier uh, offloading all those things, not trying to be everything in my business because, you know, the, the people that do the graphics and printing, I, I couldn't. I couldn't make it look like they make it. The the work that you did for me, there's no way I would I could make it would look like that if I did it. And well, I realize that as I think as a business owner and as an executive, you realize all right, there are things I'm not qualified to do. There are things I don't really want to do. And how do you do performance wise with things that you're not qualified to do and that you don't want to do? You do a lousy job. You do. So that knowing that, why would you do that? It's not making any sense, is it? And somebody has to stop and actually have you look at that yourself. Yeah. If you have no one, and that's part of what happens with Vistage, if you have um, no one that is looking at your, your company or you, you get into a group of CEOs who are sitting there or executives that have their own businesses, they can see themselves in you. One of the biggest things I have learned in working with these um, other people and, and just clients in general of the last 20 years is the low self-esteem that many of us carry, thinking that we can do things and we're trying to do things, but inside we're just running around like little squirrels in our head trying to get it all done and trying to just have somebody not discover that. Mm. Um, it happens that more often true. than not. Right. It is just one of those things where you're just like, oh, if they find me out, then who am I going to be? And it's a matter of it's okay that you don't have to do all those things. That's where we yeah. can ask for help. But as an entrepreneur, you think you have to do it all yeah. and you don't. Um, well, that's think, part of it. I think that there is a leverage with time. You think about the technology and the leverage that all of the technology that we have, what's software, whether it's you know, LinkedIn or email or social media, you think of the leverage that you have of putting whatever your message is out there for people to consume it. And, uh, you know, there, there isn't a lot of leverage trying to be all things to all people because you might be frustrated with how you do things that I know I get frustrated with things that frustrated with things that 
I say to myself, you know, you're not qualified to do this, right? <laughs> and you know, you're not, you know, you don't want to do it. And you know, you're not going to do a very good job. And that's the trifecta of, that's a, that's a trifecta of lethal, that's a lethal cocktail. That's a lethal <laughs> cocktail for incompetence. It is. It is. And some can't see that. Some can. You know, when you are sitting stewing in your office, and I tell you, I have days like that yeah. where you'll sit there and just spin your wheels, and it's like, why am I sitting here? Hold on. Yeah. You know, let's step back and take a look at this and go, how could I be doing this better? Well, I think there is a, you know, if you value your time at X dollars per hour, mm. and I go back to the work that the the fine work that you did for me, and I think, all right, if if I value my time at X, I don't know what you know. I try to do this. I probably spend three, four times the time that you do, and it's probably not going to look like it's going to look like I did it, <laughs> right? <laughs> so um, I've learned that at age fifty four. I, I think I've learned okay, stay away from things you're not good at that you don't want to do that you're not qualified to do. It is hard to admit that. It is. And um, I think that your, uh, the way that you are is, you know, very non-judgmental, very information gathering, systematic. And um, for me, it, it, it provides a level of comfort uh, because uh, I know you're going to tell me what I don't know, what I should be doing. And uh, I, I certainly appreciate that. Now, I'm sure many don't, but I certainly do. Well, I, you know, you've asked me kind of about my business and, and things that have happened in my business. And I would say that it's really being able to connect with people like yeah. we're doing now. Yeah. That is the most powerful thing that I believe I bring to people is to say, I can see what you're, you're feeling. Um, some cases I've been there, some cases I haven't, but I'm going to hold a space for you to be able to kind of talk about that because our wisdom is in ourselves many yeah. times and we just need that space. So if I can be somebody that can reflect back to you, the, the wisdom coming out of you, yeah. that's even better. I think that you mentioned the word connect and, you know, there's a lot of events that get held and there's a lot of people that you meet, but connection is so, it's so important. And, uh, you know, I had a, um, a friend of mine, you know, say to me, uh, one, I've had other coaches say this, like, no trust. And I realized that, you know, it's, it's very hard to get things done with people that you may not like. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to get done, get things done with people that you don't know. And, and, you know, if, if you don't have that trifecta, it, it, it's just, it just doesn't lend itself to a productive relationship. And, and that's true in everything, isn't yeah, it? It is. And, and being able to connect is really important. And I think you learn that as you get older, uh, the importance of that. Because if there isn't a connection there, maybe it's, you know, maybe maybe there's reluctance on one end or the other to to actually pursue a relationship, whether it's business or personal. You know, I know this is supposed to be for me and about me, but I got to tell you, you are the master connector. You have done a Why do beautiful job because not just the work that you do with your long-term care planning, as far as the business goes, mm -hmm. you are serving people on a very personal level. You know, when they're looking at those end of to. life things, that's, that is the most personal thing that you're going to get to for somebody. And what you do is approach that with such sincerity that yeah. to, in order to talk about that, people won't even go there if you don't make a connection with them. And so you come across, and I, I like to always say it's the Iowa piece of you. <laughs> Even if you are Minnesota, I'll give you that. But it's Iowa that's coming it. out new. <laughs> well, 
Well, I think it's uh, the subject can be intense and it can be confusing and complicated. And, and we try uh, with our web-based systems and paper-based systems to fill in the blanks. And we use the, the personal interaction part of it to make sure that people get their questions answered because this is not for everybody. But understanding what it is, is, and perhaps more importantly, understanding what it isn't is. And so uh, I think that, you know, in doing this for 20 years, uh, it's important for me to make sure that I leave people better off than when they came to me in terms of their knowledge about the subject of long-term care. And, you know, they don't need to be judged by me or anyone else about what they're position is or if they do anything about it or not, but they do need to get their questions answered. And so I appreciate you saying that. We endeavor to uh, treat people the way that we'd want to be treated. And if my mom and dad were here, uh, that's a standard. I treat people the way I would expect them to treat my mom and dad. That's exactly right. And because of that, whatever you have done with that business, you are now doing with connecting the professional women Um, holding these networking events, this is giving to the max. And I have to tell you that it is inspiring to be able to just be around and meet these people you are pulling together that um, we all want to help each other. And it is such a giving, abundant mindset. It's not a, you know, in the old days, remember back in the 80s, everything was very competitive and it just seemed like, you know, is dog eat dog out there? And maybe it still is, but I don't see the world that way anymore. I don't either. I think you get to a place where um, uh, if you can help somebody, maybe there's an obligation there or maybe you want to. But there's one thing that maybe isn't talked about is how it makes you feel when you help somebody. Mm. And and that is, uh, I think, having a feeling of gratitude, I think, is is very important. Um, and uh, being grateful, I think, is important because it can shape there are numerous studies and, and articles that I've read about being grateful and how important it is to do it at the beginning of the day because it can shape the rest of your day. And it can make the, the, the bumps in the road not seem like such large obstacles. That is entirely true. I, I do um, this exercise called One Words that a lot of people look at a one word that they're going to use for the year. And how can they, it's usually something that kind of holds you back and you need to kind of work on this through the whole entire year. So I do this with my CEOs on a regular basis and they just think I'm crazy when I make them do this. But it ends up, and my husband, I got to share this part too, my husband never does a one word. And for the seventh year, he's gotten his one word. It just shows up. He just hates it when his word shows up because it doesn't leave his brain. But it's always something that you need to work on. And um, this year, mine came up as thankful. And Mm. I was just shocked when that word just started coming to me because I thought, am I not being thankful? So did you think of that or did somebody else think of that? Oh, it was pretty much in my own meditation. It came in through heaven, I swear. It was a Mm. loud message repeatedly. And it wasn't, it was like repeated days were happening where the word thankful kept popping up in front of me at certain times. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, what's this about? Because I'm a very, I thought I was a very thankful person. But I also realized we can get into our own little world of doing little complaining here or there. It's not quite perfect here or there. And I realized that by being thankful, you start to look at what you do yeah. have and you let the other stuff go away. And you try not to get so picky about it. So I, I encourage people when I work with them, I'm just like, find that one word because it's going to help you yeah. in, in just your physical and your mental, your emotional, your 
financial, your relationships, you will find that word will help you throughout the year. So I'm hoping that the listeners are going to pick a word because usually by now it comes to mind. <laughs> well, I found over the years that if it's easy to uh, see things that aren't right, it's easy to see where improvement can be made. And I think one has to pay some attention to that. But I think the whole idea of being grateful can make what you have enough. enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, uh, I think it's really important because I, I, I don't know the percentage of people that are sort of with this, you know, keep up with the Joneses type thing. Um, I think that that can be a, a cycle that, that adversely affects you. And, um, you know, certainly okay to be competitive, but I think, uh, uh, you know, the whole, there is something to being thankful for your friends and your family and, uh, you know, the things that are going on, uh, good, bad, and indifferent each day. I mean, even, even if you have a bad day, you can still learn something from it. Yeah. We can still be grateful for that. And we can think of those days, can't we? We can. <laughs> now we can be grateful about them, but at the time, it didn't feel like we were going to be any too grateful about them. <laughs> so what are you grateful for now? I am truly grateful for each and every day when I get to start to meet people. Um, These opportunities like coming into Atlanta and meeting some of the people that I've worked with before, um, meeting new people, it's it's being able to have some kind of impact in each person's life. And And it does sound like it becomes about me at that point, but it really is one that I want to bring the gift I have of facilitation and conversation to helping people see themselves better. So for me, that, that's really what I'm grateful that I have finally figured out in my life what a gift is, and that is that I have the conversations and help people see themselves. So I've never picked up at all that this is about you. Oh, good. Your business. <laughs> uh, I know when I ask you for things, you follow through, you get it done. Usually it's far sooner rather than later, and that is, you know, being uh, dependable is, is, is very, very important. And that's something that I, that might be a Midwestern thing. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh, showing up early before you're supposed to be there. Um, well, that I don't always do. <laughs> but, well, but I think that you follow through. Yes. And um, I have never picked up in any of our interactions that any of this has been about you. Wonderful. And to me, I think you've been very committed to making sure that you give an unvarnished opinion with you know based on your experience and expertise so you can afford your client the most the best outcome Right. I do. I, one of the things I learned, um, I don't know how long ago it was, but I found that I'm extremely practical. And yes. that's probably the Midwestern thing, too. It's like I am not a luxurious type person. I am like, let's get some return on whatever we're going to do. If it's time, if it's enjoyment, if um, whatever it is, I want to make sure that what we do is practical and not a waste of time. Because I like to go have fun. And I'm like, I'll work as long as I need to work. I'll put in 12-hour days if I have to, but boy, after that 12-hour day, we're going to go out and we're going to have a good time. I think that having something, uh, my dad taught me that having something to look forward to, no matter how small it is, is really important. And I know I have this routine, and, and part of the routine is in the morning I go drink coffee, not a small amount of coffee. And I like to read the paper. <laughs> and it's something I look forward to every day. And of course, my friends razz me about you know, the paper, well, you know, that stuff's available on your phone. And yeah, but I like the newspaper. I like the, the tactile feel, sense yeah. of the newspaper and the paper. And yeah, but you get ink all over your hands. Yeah, but you know, there are washrooms there where you can, that even have soap there where you can wash <laughs> your hands, you can take it off. But it's something I look forward to every day so I can 
get engaged. Um, you know, I like the taste of black coffee, uh, and I'm able to kind of get clued in as to, you know, what's going on. So I can sound, you know, reasonably informed on, you know, things that are going on with clients. And um, what habits do you have that uh, make you comfortable, that help you re-energize? Oh, that is such a good one because my personal style is one that I don't like habits. Um, I don't like to be put in a box somewhere. I like to do things different each and every day. And um, one of the things, though, I have found is I have to start my day um, with my own meditation, my own quiet time. I cannot, I, I won't even hardly say hello to my husband. If he's awake, he knows I'm grabbing my coffee because, of course, that's important to me, too. That black coffee has got to be ready to go. Grab my cup. I go into another room, and I spend my own little time in my journal, meditating, just reflecting on trying to get a piece of inspiration for the day and, and setting my intention for the day. And if I don't do that, you can guarantee I'm going to be just kind of off all day long. I might be a little nastier than I I normally would be not that you would hmm. ever see me nasty, but um, it's just one of those where if I don't set that intention for the morning, um, I, it's a rough day. I can I can tell. How long do you spend during that time when you first get up? Um, I really try and spend twenty to thirty minutes easy. Um, I try and do like a twenty minute meditation, and I just love the Oprah and Deepak Chopra meditation series they do. Um, I know that Oprah's probably not the most common person people would think of for meditation, but they've done a really nice 21-day series uh, that really helps people look at different things, and they come out regularly with those. So I like to spend 20 minutes doing one of those, plus then doing my own reflection, my own journaling, my own thoughts for the day, and Mm. trying to say, what do I want to get done Mm. for the day? I'd made mention earlier about looking forward to something, even if it is something a habit or if it's exercise or if it's going out to eat or if it's a vacation or if it's uh, just going for a walk. I mean, I think it's, you know, uh, my offices are right across the street from SunTrust Park where the Braves play baseball. When they were building the stadium, I would always say, okay, in an hour, I'm going to go check on the progress. I would Mm. walk out there. And that was really kind of cool to watch that be built. But no matter how small it is, I I, I really believe it's important to have something to look forward to. Well, and I agree. And I, you know, where I am as far as working out of my office, um, it's a home office. And I'm able to go out and see my clients when I need to. So the days I get to go out and see my clients, I'm always very excited. And it's something I look forward to. But the days I work at home is another thing I look forward to. It's that time that I can think differently. I can be in a different space. I can get outside. I do a lot of um, kind of innovative thinking, I would say, when I can be outside doing yard work. I will, if I get stuck on something, I'm like, okay, where's the mower? Where's the weeder? I got to do something. I got to get out there and do something physical to allow my brain to just kind of have some downtime. So I think it's really important that people figure out when that time is and how they get that, that space. One of the things that has always impressed me about you is your candor and uh, you're, you seem to be happy. You come across that way. And I think one of the things that's also crucial is that no matter what role you're playing in your business, you have to be happy because that comes out, it comes across, it comes in your intonation, it comes out in your emails, and it comes in your interaction with people. And it seems to me that what by what you, you just said, that you are equally as happy being at home, driving your desk and doing the work that's associated with that, 
as opposed to being out and, and seeing people. Yeah. Um, me, I'd rather be out and about. Mm. And that is why, you know, this next person that we're needing to get hired is really important because I think being happy with what you do, whatever it is, is really important. It's important for you. It's important for your family, spouses, uh, family, and so forth. And I think realizing what you're good at, what you're not good at, mm -hmm. and what you don't want to do. I think just being real about that, and it took me personally a while to do that, uh, but I think that all those things can contribute to effectiveness and, and being happy. Well, I would agree. I can say that coming over to Atlanta today to actually be with you, be with the other um, you were women. Dreading it? I was looking forward to this one. It's like, man, it's a day out of the office to go do something. Go to the big city. <laughs> How has your business evolved over the years? Um, it has changed forms somewhat. The core piece of it, I think, is still there from the strategic planning, the team alignment, things along that line. Um, the way the business has probably evolved is I've gotten smarter about how to work with, with the things we've talked about, you know, outsourcing things, doing things mm. that are more productive. Um, but really, the evolution of it has just come from deeper understanding of people, yeah. deeper understanding that this is the right work and that yeah. we each have a gift we bring to the table. Yeah. And if we do that gift, there is plenty of work, there's plenty of business for everybody. And that we don't have to have that jealous, competitive nature about us. I like to, I think what, what's evolved more than anything else is I, I used to be more closed off when I first started, afraid that somebody was going to take my business. And now I look at it as, hey, that's just not the right business for me. Now I'm more open to saying the people who need me will find me and I will find them. And I have more trust in, in the universe and, and the, the people around me knowing what I do to send me the people that, that seem to click. How are you getting your new clients? Um, through referrals. I like to get them through referrals. And a lot of that comes through Vistage. Uh, when I came down to Greenville, South Carolina about 11 years ago, um, I one of my biggest things was to join a Vistage group because I saw the power of what was happening through the uh, clients that were actually in it. And so as I have gotten exposed to that, these small and medium-sized businesses, we carry those values of transparency and mm. challenging and growth. So I find those mindsets of clients are the ones that are best for me. Mm. And so through Vistage is where I've gotten a lot of those people. And then if it's not Vistage or it's somebody who's been in Vistage who has a friend who's not in Vistage and they passed on somebody else... Um, it tends to be through the values of I find clients through people who trust, want challenge, who want growth, who aren't afraid to look at themselves. People who do, I, I don't even see them. <laughs> they don't come to me. You've been selected to be on the show because you have uh, been a success. You have a certain way of doing things and you're a successful business owner. What sets you apart in your opinion? Ooh, that's a good question. I even was thinking about that kind of question earlier. But what sets me apart is probably my sincerity. Yeah. My sincerity and the fact that I want to be practical about what we're going to do. I am not coming in here to spend all your money. I am coming in to say, let's get something done. Let's make sure it gets done. I do not like to waste somebody's time. Yeah. I think considerate is you left that out. I think follow <laughs> through, you. you left that out. <laughs> and I think a sense of urgency. Um, mm -hmm. and, 
those are all the things I've experienced with you. But resource is a word that really comes to the top of mind. And um, you've always been someone that, hey, if this wasn't your fastball, you would not hesitate to, you know, connect me to someone that did have that. Yes. Um, Thank what, you. What things do you feel strongly about? Do you have a charity or charities that you feel strongly about? Um, I feel strongly about just my spiritual relationship. Um, I end up looking at life saying, hey, we are put on this earth to do things. So I find that I don't, I'm not drawn to a certain charity, but I am drawn to people who, if they have charities that they're interested in and I see there's a connection with them and there's a way I can give, I give that way. It's a, it's more of an intentional, um, charity related to people. Um, but my faith is very strong and I, I want to spend time with that. What do you like least about what you do? The details. <laughs> I know I I have, never would have picked up I on I that. know. That's because I adapt and make sure that, because I need to do the details for you. But um, my own bookkeeping I details. I love that about you. That you I, I was like, <laughs> oh, Liz, Liz is a detail person, and now you've outed yourself. You're I not. Know. Well, because what I do for you, the process is established so I can, I've made it into such a way that it's easier to do. Um, but no details I, that if I have to look at all these little tiny details, mm. it just makes me crazy. So I have to put them in a process to make it less painful. With any free time you have, how do you spend it? I like to golf. I like to garden. I like to cook. I like to see the grandkids. I like to yeah. see my own kids. I love to travel. I love to eat. <laughs> <laughs> We've got plenty of really nice restaurants in Greenville. We do. Um, that seems to be a hotbed for restaurants to open up, and I just think Greenville is a great city. Well, thank you. You need to get back up there. It's your turn to come up. It's your turn to buy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, you've you've had great success over the years. You've you've bring a great history to the show, and and you're going to be a great resource to our group. One question that I always ask folks is if you could give the younger version of you, of Liz, some advice, what would it be? Not to be afraid to step out and be, be and do who you want to be and do. Um, I started that way. I think I was truly not looking at the um, issues that could happen. And that got me in trouble. But it's stepping out, being that risk taker, and having the support around you, not thinking you had to do it alone. Appreciate that. If there was a young lady that wanted to follow your path in your footsteps, what would you tell her? What advice would you give her? I would say to reach out to as many people as you can, um, learn from them, find out, find out what they know that you can share into um, treat him to coffee. Everybody will go for a coffee or, or lunch. Um, but, but making sure that you ask what you need. Um, there's so many of us that don't ask. And just even our speaker today talked about that. So asking. And isn't it amazing how uh, we make that up in our heads that uh, I don't want to ask this person this because they're not going to help me. And, and I think people, the right people genuinely want to help you. Yes. They're not jealous of the success that you have, or they're not envious or any of those things. And so, uh, but we make a lot of stuff up. We can make a lot of stuff up like that in our heads. And I think it's important to just, uh, I think people like being asked for help. Uh, well, you've had a great, uh, great run, great career. You've had a lot of success. 
Um, Liz, if people wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that? They can find me on my website. Which is? LTResults, R-E-U-S-U-L-T-S dot com. So LTResults.com or email me at Liz at LTResults.com. Well, Liz, you've been a fantastic guest. Uh, Really appreciate you coming to the breakfast this morning and spending some time with us here on Tuesdays with Corey. Continued success, and thanks again for being such a great guest. Thank you, Corey. 